Welcome back to the Paper Tiger podcast. The Paper Tiger is a student newspaper of Lake Wilmerding High School. The podcast gives a behind-the-scenes look at how the paper functions and discusses issues that are important to Bay Area youth. I'm Indigo. And I'm Dylan. We're your co-hosts for the Paper Tiger podcast this year. Today's guest is Matt Haney, a candidate for California State Assembly, who currently serves as District Supervisor for District 6 in San Francisco. His priorities include creating more low-income housing and fighting homelessness. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So to provide some context for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are running for California State Assembly? Sure. Uh, Well, I am currently the supervisor for District 6, which includes the Tenderloin, South of Market, Rincon Hill, Civic Center, South Beach, Mission Bay, and Treasure Island. Uh, I've been in elected office in San Francisco for uh, nearly 10 years. I also served on the Board of Education as the president of the Board of Education here for SFUSD for a number of years. And I'm born and raised in uh, the Bay Area. My family's from San Francisco. I've spent my whole life in public service. Um, and uh, I'm running because uh, I believe we need state leadership at a much more aggressive, uh, bigger level on problems like housing, homelessness, climate change, and inequality. Uh, these are issues I've worked on in my role as a supervisor and school board member and attorney. And uh, I think that these are California challenges. We've got a Democratic governor, a Democratic legislature, uh, a lot of resources in our state, but we still have far too many people who are living in poverty, people who are living on our streets, people who can't afford uh, housing, who don't have access to health care. And I think these are issues that with state leadership, we can do a much better job on. So that's why I'm running to represent uh, San Francisco and Sacramento. Absolutely. Um, So even though supervisors are super important for the city, a lot of people don't actually know what district supervisors do. So as a former district supervisor, um, what did the job entail and what were some things that you were able to accomplish? Sure. So uh, a district supervisor uh, represents a particular part of the city. It's there are 11 of us. So the city is divided up into 11 parts and uh, and. We represent that district and make laws uh, for the city as a whole. We determine the city's budget. I've served as the chair of the budget and finance committee for our city. Uh, we also determine not only the city's laws, but its land use. So decisions around you know, what gets built and where are done by the board of supervisors. We're essentially the Congress for, for the city. So. Uh, we are the legislative branch, and the mayor serves as the as the chief executive, uh, and serves a similar role as as, a, as the president would. Uh, we don't have a city council in San Francisco because we are the only city and county in the state. We have a a consolidated county board of supervisors and city and city council. We have all of the powers of both of those bodies. Uh, I've been able to do a lot of things in, in my role. Uh, uh, we built over 5,000 units of housing in my district. Uh, I was able to bring uh, 24-hour bathrooms throughout the city. Uh, I helped deliver mass vaccination sites and a vaccination plan during the pandemic. 
Um, I chaired our city's uh, development of our budget, where we uh, have a $13 billion budget that made investments in mental health care and, and homelessness and housing. And I uh, authored things like Mental Health SF to guarantee a, a right to access mental health care in our city. And so I, I've been able to work on a lot of the big issues that we're facing and challenges, homelessness, uh, health care, housing, and, uh, and job opportunities. So it's been, a, it's been a great experience. I've served in that role for nearly four years. I was elected in 2018. And uh, now I'm running for a higher office. Wow, that's so interesting to hear, uh, especially directly from a supervisor, former supervisor, current supervisor. Um, and in addition to being a supervisor, you also were president of the San Francisco Board of Education. And so we were wondering what your thoughts are on the recent recall. Well, uh, you know, people obviously across the city didn't feel like they were doing their jobs at a time when uh, it was really a difficult uh, uh, challenges that families and students were facing. Uh, people felt like the school board weren't focused on those issues and weren't focused on helping kids and opening schools and really the, the unprecedented strains that kids were facing, young people were facing. They were focused on other things and were not being responsive or accountable. You know, I think one of the most important things as an elected official is if you're elected, you have to be you have to listen. You have to listen to even people who you may disagree with. You have to be accountable and responsive and connected to the things that people really care about, especially in moments of crisis. And this school board, clearly, from the perspective of the voters, was not doing that. And so that's why they were recalled. Uh, you know, uh, but I, my, my hope is that the schools can have some level of stability and support. We have a lot of challenges in our schools that predate any one school board. A lot of these issues were there for, for many years in terms of making sure we have great schools and we pay our teachers enough and every young person gets the opportunities that they need. So, you know, those are still challenges that are there and this school board will now have the opportunity to hopefully make some progress on those things. Definitely. Um, so your primary opponent, David Campos, has criticized you for being beholden to corporations. Uh, how would you respond to that? Well, you know, people say things in politics when they uh, uh, want to make an issue of something because they don't want to talk about <laughs> the actual issues or their record. And that's what's going on here. Uh, he uh, knows very well that uh, the large majority of workers in unions, work, labor unions who work for corporations uh, have endorsed me and support me and are overwhelmingly backing my campaign. One of the things that I did as a supervisor is I authored the first voter approved CEO tax where if a, if a company, a corporation uh, pays their uh, CEO or top executive a hundred times their median worker, that they have a significant tax that comes with that so we can address the consequences of that inequality. So I've stood up and for working people against corporations during my career. And, uh, and so all of these unions are supporting me. Uh, and you know he's, he's taken a ton of money from corporate executives and all sorts of corporate individuals. So this is really just a, 
a talking point that he can't live up to himself. And I think it's really a distraction from the real questions of what we're going to do and who's really backing us and what we're going to fight for. And I think San Franciscans deserve better than those, that type of rhetoric. Yeah, definitely. Um, on a similar theme, what are your thoughts on the attack ad that labeled you as the Tenderloin supervisor? Well, I represent and live in the Tenderloin, and I'm proud of that. I have for uh, many years, and uh, the challenges that we are facing in the Tenderloin are a huge motivation for me to be in public service. I don't think we should have so many people who are left behind, who are discarded, who are living on the streets, uh, who are experiencing addiction. And I've worked really hard on those issues and for the Tenderloin for, for many years. And the reason why I'm running for state office is because I think that the Tenderloin is uh, less responsible for its own issues and more a reflection of the broader uh, societal failures to take care of everyone uh, in our communities and make sure they have a place to live and healthcare. And, and, uh, and, 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 and when we don't do that, uh, unfortunately, Places like the Tenderloin are used as a containment zone for those types of challenges. So that, that, that's been a huge part of what I want to do and why I'm running. Uh, I think David Campos has never, unfortunately, been involved in those, any of those issues from, from in my experience. And the first time I've heard him talk about the Tenderloin is in this kind of uh, uh, attempt to uh, malign me by associating me with this neighborhood. So I, I think it's unfortunate, and I think the the uh, the people of the Tenderloin deserve somebody who's going to uh, listen to them and fight for them and be present for them. And I think it's not a good sign when uh, the only time they've heard him talk about them is as an attack line. So you know the Tenderloin is a place with a lot of challenges, and and certainly needs someone who's going to work on those issues. And those issues are bigger than what one neighborhood can solve, but what they definitely don't deserve is to be used as uh, essentially a dog whistle uh, uh, attack. Uh, and I think they didn't respond very well to, to his attacks. And, uh, you know, hope, I think some of those ads he's, he's pulled down because of this, the negative response, but, you know, most of his campaign has been attack ads. <laughs> been very negative and uh and i don't think people generally respond well to that at the end of the day they want to know what you're for they want to know what you stand for they want to hear a hopeful message not just all of the issues that you have with your your opponent and you know i i david Campos and i supported each other for years we're friends we're allies you know he supported me very actively when i was running for all every office i've run for so for now for him to turn around and try to act like I'm, you know, some kind of awful person, I think is a little bit uh, hypocritical in a lot of ways as well. For sure. Um, so in addition to your political career, you also co-founded Hashtag Cut 50, which is a national bipartisan initiative working to end mass incarceration. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that and why you decided to found it? Sure. Uh, you know, mass incarceration uh, has had uh, hugely detrimental and devastating impacts on on our society and our country. Uh, we uh, uh, incarcerate more people at a higher rate than anywhere in the world by far, uh, and many of those people are um, 
black and brown and it's something that has really had ripple effects negative ripple effects on communities across our state and country and so you know we have alternatives that work better you know when when somebody uh especially young people uh may may commit a crime or find themselves in the criminal justice system we really have to use that as an opportunity for intervention uh, to get them uh, treatment to get them uh, care to get them uh, in out of a life of crime into uh, more, something more safe and stable and mass incarceration was doing the opposite and it's very expensive and harmful and so uh, thankfully we started to move in, in the other direction but you know a lot of this was uh, also done um, in, in really elevating the issue of criminal justice reform to be a more of a, a, a political issue that we talked about you know 10 years ago there was no presidential candidates there were no statewide candidates that were talking about criminal justice reform as an important priority and uh and so cut 50 was really about bringing that policy forward uh, building new coalitions and uh and making an impact and we we were able to make a lot of change all over the country it's awesome to hear. And another issue you really care a lot about is affordable housing. And so what do you think personally has been getting in the way of San Francisco building more housing? So there's a lot of parts of the city where they, they are uh, strongly against any type of new housing, affordable or, or otherwise. And unfortunately, we've had zoning that has prevented uh, housing from being built in some parts of the city uh, where you, you can't build apartments at all. Uh, we have uh, situations um, in um, where we, we have uh, uh, areas available to build housing, but we don't have enough funding. You know, there's not nearly enough public funding that's dedicated to affordable housing. So a combination of not investing in it and also getting in our own way by setting up these laws that prevent apartments from being built to begin with. And so, you know, those are things, both, both things that I've really been working to change. Uh, what, in, what initially inspired you to get into politics? I, I was involved in working on a lot of the issues uh, that, that I'm working on now, but I wasn't in really in the political uh, arena itself. And so I first got involved in politics itself uh, through the, uh, campaign, the, the Barack Obama campaign for president in 2008. And I ended up going all over the country and helping him and working in the White House. And that kind of gave me a sense of what was possible in politics and that, you know, I really felt that he was speaking to my generation and to the issues that I cared about. And it was the first politician really that I uh, felt you know resonated with me and 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 my my peers and so that you know led me to want to get more involved to want to uh, bring a sim similar message uh, to politics and to to bring some of that to the, to the local politics and so that was what really initiated my involvement in two thousand eight after the presidential campaign. Yeah. And so on a more like state local level, one of the missions of this podcast is to educate high schoolers about more state local politics as well as bigger issues. And so is there anything you wish people knew about more like local state political issues? 
Well, I, I think, you know, there's always a lot of attention to the federal issues and I understand that. And, you know, Donald Trump and otherwise, you know, you know, garners a lot of attention, but most of the things that impact the lives of people, you know, in San Francisco and young people, a lot of those issues are, are local and state issues. And, you know, if you think about public education, it's funded at the state level. If you look at healthcare, it's mostly a state issue. Um, most people who are incarcerated are incarcerated in, in state jails and state prisons or, or local jails. Um, so most of the issues that impact us are, are local or state. And, and yet a lot of people don't pay as much attention to the local or state government. You know, our member of Congress, well, our member of Congress has a lot of power because she's the speaker, but most members of Congress don't have that much power because, you know, they're one of, you know, uh, uh, hundreds and they uh, uh, often are sort of much more at the whim of leadership or what exactly, you know, their seniority and individual members of Congress can't move that much. Most bills are kind of really larger uh, 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 efforts that where one person doesn't have that big of a role. Whereas at the local and state level, you know, we can author laws and we can have an immediate impact on people's lives and on their communities and neighborhoods. And so I would just encourage people to pay more attention to local and state government and the state in particular. I mean, when I was growing up, I had, you know, I had no idea what, you know, what the state assembly was or state senate or anything like that, but you may be paying attention to the president or Congress and whatnot, but ultimately a lot of the things that were impacting me and my friends and my community and my family were being done in Sacramento. And so I just really encourage people to, you know, Sacramento doesn't get a lot of attention because Sacramento is kind of like a cow town, you know, it's sort of off the radar. <laughs> uh, you know, if people don't think about it that much and it doesn't get, it's not on your news, it's not on MSNBC and all of that. But uh, at CNN, but ultimately the things that happen there are very important. For sure. So you've talked on, you've touched on this a little bit before, but uh, if elected, what do you hope to accomplish as an assembly member? Well, I hope to solve all of the problems for California. <laughs> um, you know, I, the, the, the challenges that I see are the ones that probably people experience and that I want to work on. Uh, I want to make sure we build a lot more housing, especially affordable, affordable housing across the state. I want to make sure every city and county and, and the state as a whole has a plan and is held accountable for solutions around homelessness. Uh, that means building more shelter beds, supportive housing, mental health care. I want to make it easier to get people into drug treatment. We have 700 people a year that are dying of drug overdoses in San Francisco and help with that. Um, I want to pass laws to make sure that people have health care and that they have good high paying jobs, union jobs, so that they make enough to provide for their families. I want to make sure we confront climate change and get to net zero um, emissions so that we aren't contributing to climate change and that we address things like the fires and, and air quality and sea level rise that is the consequence of, of climate change. So, you know, we have big challenges uh, facing our state and I've worked on these issues for a long time and I hope that we can uh, make some progress. I wanna make sure that I want our colleges and universities to be, uh, to be tuition free and to make sure 
so young people don't have to go in debt when they go into uh, to, to college and, and that we fully fund our schools so that our teachers get paid enough to stay and teach. And uh, these are some of the things that I hope I can accomplish. Yeah, so how can young people get involved with the issues that you're talking about, whether that's on a local or state level or bigger than that? Well, they can definitely follow these issues closely and, uh, you know, and, and uh, stay involved and engaged. Uh, you know, I recommend going and helping out maybe with a campaign or, or in, a, in a local elected office. We have always uh, a lot of volunteers and interns in our campaign from, from uh, you know, from high school and college level. And, and then always in my supervisor office, a lot of young people who come and work with us. So I recommend that, you know, you reach out to, it's not me, to anyone, uh, you know, who's an elected official, who is a supervisor, who is running for office and say, hey, I want to help. And if you just start showing up or you get involved with the internship program or something like that, there's a lot of way, ways you can get involved. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I feel like I've gotten so much insight into your campaign and politics more broadly. So yeah, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Paper Tiger podcast. To learn more about Matt Haney, check out matthaney.com or follow at matthaneysf on Instagram. Make sure to vote in the special general election for California State Assembly District 17 if you're eligible. To register to vote, check out vote.org. You can also pre-register to vote if you're over 16. Make sure to tune into our next episode. And for more content, visit our website, lwhspapertiger.org, or follow at LWPaperTiger on Instagram. See you next time.